a lot of times when people get grow up in church and receive Christ at an early age, you fall in love with church and the rhythm of it more than you fall in love with the personhood of Jesus Christ. Come on. A lot of it's funny. What T.D. Jake said one time, regardless of how you feel about him, this quote is, I think, amazing. He said that a lot of things that what we would call church, we would have to teach Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I am your host and the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me today, I got my brother, Brandon Edwards. Sir, how you doing? I'm fantastic, man. How are you? I can't complain, man. I can't complain. I just got back from our church's leadership breakfast, so I'm really full. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's one of the best parts about going to church leadership breakfast is food. So I know I got you for about an hour today. So I just want to make sure that the audience gets a chance just to hear more about you, what you do and get your perspective on things. So let's just go ahead and dive into it. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? Interesting story. My parents are not from the United States. My dad is from Jamaica. My mom is from Trinidad. They met in the great big city of New York. And I was born in Brooklyn, New York. And right before 9-11, we moved from New York to New Jersey. So I was born in New York City, but grew up for the majority of my formative years in New Jersey. Do you side with Jersey more or New York more? This is sports. Oh this man, sports that's me just came out. I couldn't even help but to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? That's a tough question. Okay, so there's certain things I side with New Jersey on. Okay. And certain things I side with New York on. Right. So <clears throat> right now, New Jersey doesn't really have any sports teams. It used to be the New Jersey Nets, right? Right. So now the Brooklyn Nets. Right. So, I mean, sports has got to be New York all day, right? And but I will tell you, I I love New York. I love my family from Brooklyn, but I cannot stand the traffic. Uh, that is traffic that I just can't. I can't live with that, and it's too crowded. Lifestyle, probably Jersey. Okay. <laughs> I go to New York probably like once every six weeks for work. Oh wow! And I, I it's one of it's the only place that I go to. I won't drive. I won't do it. The especially now with the bike lanes and how some of the bikes there don't have to have license plates on them. So you got this motorized bike Mm. that's going sixty miles an hour, not stopping at red lights. I'm like, I'm out. I'm cool. I'm cool on this. Yeah, man. New York, man. Again, I love it. I spent a lot of time there, and I love the food. I love the mix of the cultures and the sports and just the attitude of the people because. I'm from there, but there are things where I'm like, nah, fam, y'all can keep that right over there. Right, that's what (laughs) I'm saying. (laughs) Last time I was there, I did pick up one of the Mitchell and Ness Michael Jordan All-Star Game jerseys. (laughs) The the teal ones that he played that year, I think he got the MVP that year. I'm like, let me grab this because I may never see this again. (laughs) So NY does get my money from time to time. That's another reason why I can't go there because the shopping is serious. So. I know you said, so there was the transition, New York, New Jersey. So were you always following Christ growing up? What was that like for you? So the answer is yes and no. So I grew up with, I was grateful and blessed enough to grow up with parents who were believers, right? Mm -hmm. My father's a Christian. My mother's a Christian. So I did grow up in a home where lessons of Christ and the Bible and worship and those things were prevalent. It wasn't absent. And I am a church boy, right? So I did grow up in church. My father, when we were young, 
took us to a church in Brooklyn called Christian Cultural Center. One of the best churches, I believe, in the world, Dr. A.R. Bernard. And so I learned a lot there, a lot of great things, just being in the environment. I was too young to pick up everything, but I learned a lot from him. I love the worship music and I love the rhythms of church. There's people nowadays that don't like church. I'm not one of those guys. I love it. I feel it. you. I like, feel you. I love it. I love going in and experience the rhythm of it, the language of it. Even some of the Christianese, I do love it. I mean, I just, that's who I am. But I did, yes. So the answer is yes, I grew up in the church. I grew up in Christ. And I did accept Christ at an early age. But a lot of times when people get grow up in church and receive Christ at an early age, you fall in love with church and the rhythm of it more than you fall in love with the personhood of Jesus Christ. Come on. A lot of, it's funny, what T.D. Jake said one time, regardless of how you feel about him, this quote is, I think, amazing. He said that a lot of things that what we would call church, we would have to teach Christ. That's real. And that was my case. So I did grow up in church. I did know Christ at an early age, but probably at an elementary level. And even now, right, I'm still being deepened in that understanding of who Jesus is, as opposed to the in, in infrastructure of a church. Right. My boy, my boy, Richard Williams and I, we had this very same discussion on the podcast mm -hmm. a few episodes. It's not a few episodes ago now, but we have to fall in love with God. We have to fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. We have to be willing to go seek the presence of God above all else over, over the gifts, over the calling, over the platform, sure. over everything, because when man fails you and it's inevitable, that is going to happen Shoot. because the church is made up of, of flawed individuals. That's the reason why we have a savior, right? Cause we know that we know we're flawed individuals. We know that we need savior and that's why we need Jesus. Yeah. I know that I'm broken. That's why I need him. Yeah. We have to fall in love with God. We have to go seeking after his presence above all else. Because if someone upsets me at church, why do I then walk away from God? You know, it's crazy. A lot of times I never wanted to walk away from Christ because of what other people did to me. I, there was a season of my life. I wanted to walk away from Christ because of what I did to me. It wasn't that people had failed me. It was that I failed me. And I think that's when I found, when the Bible talks about Jesus, God is close to the, the brokenhearted. A lot of times we forget, it doesn't matter how your heart is get broke. It's broke. Right. And even if that's on you, that's the whole point of the gospel. That's why we need it. It's because of what we did. I, my sin put him on the cross too. So that's where I kind of started to, I shouldn't say I started to find the Lord. I knew him. I was deep in my word and all that different type of stuff, but there was a different level, a different aspect. That's how why God has many names, like there's different aspects to him that you need to learn and dive into. So that's me, Doc. Right. There we go, man. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Because I, part of my story was that I willingly walked away. Therefore, I willingly chose the pain that I was about to go through. And I knew, I, I knew what I was, I said, I'm going to college to do X, Y, and Z things. And I did mm -hmm. all of those things and then some, mm -hmm. and it left me depressed and broken and yeah. shattered. 
my choices. Yeah. yeah. No, that's dope. I appreciate you sharing that. So where did you end up going to school? <laughs> now you're asking all these heavy hitter questions because <laughs> it's so simple, but I'll explain why I'm laughing <laughs> at them. So I ended up going to school at the University of Maryland College Park, but I didn't want to go. <laughs> I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to Rutgers. I had a girlfriend at the time and it was my first girlfriend. I was like, oh, what if they own my jersey? Yeah, yeah. And I remember I told the Lord I'll never go to the University of Maryland. Like four years before. <laughs> Don't ever tell God nothing. <laughs> I, I have never beaten God when I told him. Never. Not, never. not even once. <laughs> tell me, it's, it's almost like, what's the magic school bus? Never say never. <laughs> I prefer the Undertaker at WrestleMania reference before <laughs> Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I ended up going to the school at the University of Maryland. I was enrolled at Rutgers in Maryland at the same time, a week before classes started. And I went on to the University of Maryland and I, my attitude sucked because I didn't want to be there. And my dad was like, go sit down somewhere and go fix your attitude. And I did. I found out. I just went on the walk and I sat down on the stairs of what I later would know is the residence hall building. Um, yeah. And I just felt the peace. And I knew I had to go there. But I also knew what that came with. That meant that the end of my relationship with this girl back home. Right. And I was like, I was pissed. It was like, no, I don't want to. Do, I don't want to do this, Jesus. I don't want to. But it's been 10 years and I haven't looked back. <laughs> <laughs> Obedience is good. <laughs> Yo. So what was your so what was your experience like at the university during that time? What did that do for you? After you got done fighting God. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I had some of my highest highs and some of my lowest lows. And I'm not talking about drugs. That's not what I'm talking about. We're very clear on here. That's my story. We were, that's my story. It's okay. I'm past the statute of limitations. I can talk about it. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Highs meaning I discovered myself. I discovered one of my best, one of my best friends in college. We call him Bobo. I remember one day I told him my freshman year, I walked into the room and I said, Bro, I think I'm black. And he looked at me like, <laughs> he was like, What you talking about, bro? <laughs> yes, you're black. I'm black too. Woo! <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> right? And he's I said, You don't understand, bro. I grew up in a Caucasian neighborhood in Jersey. And I was the only black kid. One of the only black kids, not the only one, but the, one of the only ones. And I went to school at the University of Maryland, which is in Prince George's County, Maryland, mm. one of the highest concentrations of black wealth in the nation. Mm. It was a PWI, a, public, a predominantly white institution and a black and Spanish county. So I, for the first time, I saw a whole bunch of people that looked like me. And God, I went to a probate. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. A probate is where they kind of initiate people going into their sororities or their fraternities. It was an AKA one. I don't know if that's the right word. Please don't hurt me, y'all. That's just the word I, the word I know, <laughs> right? I mean, I saw a whole bunch of beautiful sisters and beautiful brothers that looked like me that had their flags out with the Nigerian flag, the Jamaican flag, Trinidadian flag, and people were just making noise and mm being amazing and it was the first time that I felt like I could be myself like people understood me mm. so I learned the beauty of my blackness in school 
Some people say they learned at HBCU. I learned it at the PWI, but it doesn't matter. God was with me. He was teaching me. I made you that color on purpose. And it's, on, it's for a purpose. That's right. It's not on accident because he don't make accidents. It's not like <clears throat> being black is like, color. God is not colorblind. I don't know what people are talking about. He did it on purpose. And it's a beautiful thing. But I had some of my lows in school where I became homeless, right? And so that's a whole, a whole story, but that's it. <laughs> so I might dig into that piece just a little bit. So you became homeless. How did you deal with that and then transition out of it? What to, well, I guess I should ask what caused that. And then yeah. tell me, how did you end up bouncing back from that? Yes. Yeah, I'm always careful. I'm a very big believer in the scripture that says, honor your parents. Right. So I'm very careful in how I describe it. But the end, at the end of the day, I got into an altercation with my father. I'll spare some of the details, but I got yeah. into an altercation and he said, B, you got to go. You can't stay here. So I went from living in a pretty nice neighborhood in Jersey. Uh, by the way, it was the same week I had broken it off with my <laughs> first girlfriend. It was horrible. I was like, break up, kicked out. Life is done. It's crazy. To moving into hotels and basements. I guess the better word in homeless is maybe displaced. But yeah. But at the end of the day, I was bouncing around. So how? So that's how it happened. And how did I bounce back? A long journey. Number one, God's grace. He allowed me to get a job on campus. And then he also allowed me to become a resident assistant, RA, which is why I think that res me sitting on the steps of the residence hall and me feeling peace was very big, right? So I got housing 365, right? And I also got some money to go get some food. There were times where I would stretch a pizza for a week even, but I had a roof over my head. Come on. There were times where I was super duper depressed and not weren't not knowing what to do and where to go, but I had a roof over my head and I was in school and it was God's grace. And I would say some privilege. When I say some privilege, the fact of the matter is I did have somebody to go to school. Right. So there wasn't, it wasn't like a complete, there wasn't like no safety net, but at the end of the day, it was what it was. God's grace and him just really coming through when I needed him. Yeah. And scholarships and stuff. So you did a lot at at Maryland. And is that's where because did you start working with, with the Crusade for Christ at Maryland or did that come after you graduated? After. Okay. Well, the story is I was in crew. The Crusade is known now, is now known as crew. I was in crew for two years in school. Mm -hmm. I, there was another group my freshman year that I really wanted to go to called The Gathering. And every time I went there, I felt the Lord leading me to go to crew. And I was just like, honestly, to be honest with you, it was corny. I ain't gonna lie. It, it, to me, it was corny. I was like, what in God's green earth is this? <laughs> but I felt the Lord saying, you got to go here. And I did. And I left, actually, after my first two years, because I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. A lot of Caucasian kids, there were a lot of kids who grew up maybe in a non-charismatic background. So I assumed that they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't right for me. I didn't feel like it was right. So I went to the gospel choir. And then I found a whole bunch of different problems on there. But end of the day, I stayed friends with a guy named Ryan Pendy, who was the leader of crew. Mm -hmm. And he kept discipling me. I thought we were just hanging out, but I now know that was called discipleship. <laughs> 
right? And he was showing me things. Even down to, I remember I was like struggling with some things on the internet, young man, right? Struggling with some things. I gave him my laptop <laughs> in college. That's what's said, up. I'll go to the library. You take this, <laughs> right? But that's my dog. I just felt like that's my dog for life. And he said, bro, I feel like you should join us on staff. And I said, what'd that look like? <laughs> he described it to me. And in that moment, the same feeling I had when I said, God told me to go to the University of Maryland was the same feeling I had in that conversation. And I just went with it. And went with my gut. How did what you did at the University of Maryland prepare you for what you're doing right now? <laughs> I think it was everything. I think it was a couple of things. Let's say, let's if I can narrow it down to three or four things, right? First, just like Moses, I think my story is kind of like a Moses story, right? When Moses, it, it was Moses' sin that drove him from the hands of Egypt or the, the house of Pharaoh to the desert, right? <laughs> he killed somebody. But ultimately, I think it was the Lord that did it. So he pushed him out of his comfort zone. God pushed me out of my home into the University of Maryland, hundreds of miles away from my home, and no option to go back, right? And he retooled me. The time I spent in the chapel praying, the time I spent practicing my piano, the time I spent on the wrestling mat, right? The time I spent just even, honestly, just being depressed or even in that season, even my major, right? My business minor, right? Economics was my major, my minor was business. But even in all of that, God was doing something. He was shaping me. He took me out of an environment. So the first part is the separation. I think that was everything. It was God's ability to quarantine me mm. and retool me, help me to unlearn things and help me to learn some things. Then the second part is the understanding of who I am and where I'm going in this grand scheme called life. Like the University of Maryland a lot of people don't know this. University of Maryland is really big on entrepreneurs. They, the co-founder of Google went there. I think his name is Sergey Brin, right? The, co the founder of Under Armour. I think that's who you're wearing right now. Hey, there we go. Okay. I didn't Kevin know that. Plank. Great. He, there we Kevin go. Plank, he spoke in my graduation, right? Sesame Street, Jim Henson went there. Oculus, the guy, Brandon Irbay, went there. The co-founder of SiriusXM went there. Gail King. Connie Chung. I mean, all these different people. Went. So when you go to an establishment like that, you see greatness. And it's almost like you have to take it in. I'm the type of person I'm a sponge. So I take that in. Right. And I internalize it. Like, I am going to be that representative for Christ on that level. And that's what it prepared me for. And I guess the third, I would say, is honestly giving me the, the ability to talk to different people in different languages. When I say languages, I'm not talking about English, Spanish. Yes, I speak Spanish. Yes, I speak English. But I'm talking about, I made a, a, I alluded to something before where I said, I assumed those people didn't have the Holy Spirit because they didn't speak in tongues. They didn't get crazy like I used to get crazy in the church and run up and down and, and all these different types of stuff. I assume that those people didn't have Christ, but when you are surrounded with a diverse amount of people, you've got to realize that God is too big to be fit in your circle. 
Come on. He doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak Spanish. He speaks everybody's language. He don't speak black. He don't speak white. He's not Pentecostal. He's not Presbyterian. And then you start to realize that if it wasn't for some of the Presbyterians, some of the books that we have wouldn't be. If it wasn't for the Pentecostals, we would, some of the great music that we have wouldn't be. Hmm. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, I'm black. I'm a man. I'm this. I'm Jamaican. I'm this on purpose for God. And then you start to respect all the people around you. Some will be introverts, some will be extroverts, but all have something to do with the glory of God. It's a mosaic. And that's what college taught me. We were sitting at our leaders meeting today and mm -hmm. we were talking at the table and I was just sharing a little bit of the vision of Redwood. And it's, mm -hmm. we all have a part to play in the kingdom. Hands, feet, whether you are an equipped evangelist, whether you're a teacher, whether you're the administrative assistant, whether you're the worship leader, I've said this so often this podcast that the Bible is clear that Jesus is coming back for his bride. Come on. Singular. Yeah. It is one body. We are one body in Christ. And that bride is important because it's the bride of Christ. That's what makes it important. That's, and I don't think we pay enough attention to that. And I sometimes think that because we don't pay enough attention to it and we worry so much about this church or that church or man, they've got this worship leader. We need to get this, you know, or we don't want him to go preach here because he may like it over there and not come back. You know what I mean? It's like, you hear about this stuff and it's no, we are one body in Christ. He's coming back for his bride. Why are we not more unified? Why are we not celebrating our differences? And I'll even tell why are we not crying together when we're hurting? Why are we not celebrating together and there's something to celebrate? Yeah. When you get a new job, why am I not just high-fiving you or what or fist bumping you, whatever the case might be, versus being like, man, he's making more money than me now. You know what I mean? Like, how about I congratulate you and then just go step my game up? That's an option, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's like, an option, too. That's, that's just a thought. That's just my opinion, though. What do I know? What do I know? I've Because I've read some art. And honestly, I did some looking into your background before this interview. Obviously, what I should have did was I should have dug more into the University of Maryland. Because I didn't, some of what you told me was just like, oh, I'm hearing that for the first time. So you because you you talk a lot about in, in other interviews, how those economics courses you took there helped prepare you for life. So what role did that play in what you're doing right now? Because I can't wait to get into what you're doing today. <laughs> just having the understanding just of how things work, how money works. When you study capitalism at its core, capitalism at its core, right? There are a lot of bad things about it. <clears throat> at its core, it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be the concept of specialization that everybody has a unique part to play. I can't do podcasts as well as you. So therefore I rely on you and I buy your services. You can't do maybe something else that I do very well. So you just pay me for my services. At the core, that's how business and commerce works. It's specialization. I can't do it as well as you, or I don't have the resources to do it, so I pay you. And in exchange for my labor, in exchange for my expertise, in exchange for my product, you give me something called money in which I can do something else with. It helps me to understand business, and it also helps me not to be offended. <laughs> By certain business practices because I know how the game works. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> tap, I'm gonna tap into that, that offended part soon because okay, what you do now is you're a talent manager, and I'm gonna let you explain what that is, <laughs> what you do, and then some of the talent that you currently manage. And I'm excited because we had 
one of your artists yeah. or one of your talents on this podcast previously, Ray Duggar. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go ahead and jump into that. Yeah, man. So I run a company called, well, in 2021, I started a company called Level 91 Entertainment Group. And the concept is that we ask our business, we're our, a talent agency and talent management company. That's what we do. But at the end of the day, we want to be a home for artists. We want to be a home for creatives who want to represent the lawyer in whatever facet they do, whether they're a DJ, a radio show host, a rapper, a worship leader, whatever the case may be, an artist, whatever. But three people who I, I work with and I have the pleasure of representing. And I'll start in the order of who signed on first. Okay. <laughs> so no one can get offended. Right? <laughs> Everybody's special. So let's go in chronological order. The first person is a guy named DJ Soul. DJ Soul is one of the pioneers in urban inspiration DJing, otherwise known as gospel DJing. He is on Phrase 104.1 in Washington, D.C. and Magic 102.1 in Houston, Texas. Currently, I'm, we're believing for some more. H-Town, He's, let's go. Yeah, we're believing for some more, man. He has opened up for Ty Tripp and Mary, Jonathan McReynolds and Molly Music when they came. He's opened up for Martin Lawrence. I mean, we, he's done it. He's done it all. Toby Mack. I mean, he's done it all, man. And uh, he was the first one to really believe in me. It was a crazy story. I'm working in sales at Radio One, and we're having a conversation. And some of the things that we're talking about right now, opportunity calls, I talked I talk to him about. Great conversation. A year later, stuff goes on in my life. And I said, man, maybe I want to start this thing. And I said, man, can I test out what it's like to manage somebody? He goes, I was waiting for you. <laughs> the Lord told me, and I was just waiting for you. I was wow. Like, yeah, thank you, man. So I work with him. He's been a blessing, man. The second person is Ray Doug. Ray Doug is the gentleman that you interviewed. Ray is, I like to say, Personally, on a personal front, Ray has been like, you ever seen those things on TV, like Grey's Anatomy, where they're like, clear, and they, yeah. they do <laughs> I don't know what those things are called, yeah. but Ray has been like that in my life, right? He has been the thing that shocks me back to life. His personality type is electrifying in a lot of different ways. His story is incredible. His music is great, but his story is even better. What God has done with his life. He went to jail for, after living a life of crime for first degree murder, but God changed his life in prison radically. And he has been living on fire for the Lord ever since. His music is just so incredible. I say he, I mean, I'm telling you, he's about to blow up. I'm telling you, all he needs is the right platform to highlight what he God has done in his life. Everybody needs to know his story. Everybody from the rooftop to the gutter. Everybody. Everybody. He's an amazing brother. Him and his wife, Ashley, just amazing people. So that that's Ray. And then the newest addition to the family is a sister named Cheryl Jackson. Cheryl Jackson is I like to call her the Oprah of the urban inspiration world. And the reason why I say that is because the term urban inspiration, that was her in the, I can't remember the year, but she created the nation's first in urban inspiration music station in Washington, DC. And she helped break some of the biggest artists that we, you and I know now. She helped break their music in DC. 
Some of that would be Kirk Franklin, Israel Houghton. Wow. And she is an amazing media personality. She is so calm in her spirit. She is so seasoned and so stoic. And I respect her, not only for what she's done, but how she interacts with her family, her husband, her children. And I can't, there's some things in the work I can't say. (laughs) Now, maybe we'll come back and when those things get on the pop, we'll come back and we'll talk about it. But please come back. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) She, she's on the cusp of doing some more groundbreaking things and stepping into new territory. And she too, she came to me. And so I was in my prayer closet and the Lord put this you on my mind and my heart. And then I said, let me pray about it. Okay, Lord, please say yes. Please say yes. <laughs> right. And I felt like I got the green light. And all three of them. I tell people I have a, not a, what's the word I use, Lord? I have a, a motley crew. I have a radio personality. I have a DJ and I have a rapper. Most people look at me and don't you, shouldn't you have a singer or a worship leader or something like that? I'm like, maybe one day. Lord, I have what God has given me right now, and I'm so happy. I have gold in my hand, and sometimes I ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with this, Father? <laughs> but that's what I do. I did not describe what I say, what I do. <laughs> I just All described right. the Yeah, I'll let you get in. No, man, you're good. So when it comes to being a talent, because you actually said some, like, that I want to touch on, too, because each one of them, God has given them a platform and given them influence. Yeah. And because not everyone is going to be a singer or a worship leader or I believe God sends light in the darkness flat out. And that can be anywhere. You know what I'm saying? We, you and I can walk out of our houses right now, go to the grocery store. We can be light and salt of the earth right there in, in Marks or Giant or CVS, wherever the case might be. So I believe this is just a start for you. You know what I mean? I believe you're about to get some more gold and be wondering, what am I going to do with this? And I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Those, those are good problems to have. Those are good problems <laughs> to have. <laughs> it is. <laughs> when So you're their talent manager. So what do you end up doing for them? Like, how do you help them with their career? So to just walk me through what a day-to-day looks like for you. And I guess to preference that, assuming that I'm never going to be a talent manager. <laughs> <Sure. Yeah. laughs> So let me be clear. So I, I'm Cheryl Jackson's agent, which is different than a talent manager. And I'm DJ Soul's manager and Ray Douglas' manager. And I also do, I also still have a full-time job, right? So day-to-day, it's all over the place. But when I'm not doing my stuff for my day my full-time job, right? Let's start with the talent manager part. A talent manager, you have to think about each artist as a company. Each artist has a company and their product that they're selling or the services that they're selling is either is what they do is their music their merch all these different types of things that they do and your job is as a as a manager is to help them run the store so if i have a donut shop right and i'm selling donuts i sell chocolate donuts and vanilla frosting and glazed and all these different types of stuff as a manager, I am attempting to help that, that, that business owner manage the marketing of the store, manage the sales of the products, making sure that, hey, look, owner, this is doing well, but this does better, or you shouldn't sell this anymore. 
because this is not doing well, right? Or helping them clean up the store. Nobody wants to come to an establishment. You may have great donuts, but your toilets may be terrible and nobody wants to stay. You may have amazing donuts, but your presentation may be off. So as an owner, as a business owner, you may just know, again, specialization. Here we go. Get back to that economics, right? You may be really good at creating donuts. Great. But your storefront needs help. And that's where, as a manager, Mm. my job is to help to, to craft the store to be better to sell the product or to help the person make a better product. So on a day-to-day, that may be, that looked like having weekly meetings with them. Sometimes I get away from the weekly meetings because I'm busy and I, that's a whole nother discussion, but helping them see the greater vision, helping them get from point A to point B. Sometimes I'm great at it. Sometimes I'm terrible at it. But the one thing you have to learn too is, although you are the manager of the store, you're not the owner of the store. So you can make all the suggestions you want, but an artist has his own, his or her own vision too. And your help, your job is to help serve that vision to the best of your ability within your specialization. Hmm. So that's the overall, that's the best way I can describe it. This is this is the major gift fundraiser in me coming out right now. Yes. Is there so in that, is there like a process that you put in place to be like, okay, this is the path to success? So you've got these goals these metrics, we're going to do these assessments. What does that, is there a process in place to to help them achieve that success that you're talking about or to better that storefront to use a term you used? The process is different for everybody. Okay. Everyone's in different places, right? Right. I wouldn't dare go to Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Switch it up a little bit and let's go tech, right? Big tech. I wouldn't dare go to Apple and tell Apple, hey, Apple, you need to do this. Well, they're like, well, I got to go figure it out. So how can I serve you? That's the best. That's the best question you can ask. There you go. My, my counselor from a couple of years ago, he told me, Brandon, help that doesn't help, doesn't help. I'm going to steal that. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Help that doesn't help, doesn't help. So it's like you have to be humble enough to say, and I've learned this is a process for me, right? How can I serve your mission, Mr. Business Owner? And do you give me permission to speak into the places where you don't necessarily, into your blind spots? Let's say it like that. If they say yes, then great. We have a good business relationship. If they say no, and they can say no many different ways, and they can say yes many different ways. It doesn't always have to be verbal. But That the way to get to success is really learning how to serve that person and also being brave enough. And this is something I'm working on this year. So this is something I personally, Brandon, is going to the Lord to petition, Lord, I need your help in this area, to be bold enough to say, hey, in order to get from point A to point B, this is what I believe you need to change. So it's a lot of different ways. I guess that's the way, the best way to say it. It's a process. So how do you, man, cause you're, that's a lot. You got those, you got the artists, you got your full-time job, you got your family, you got everything else that, that you're doing. So how do you then use time management for you? Because your goal then is to make, is to help and help them to become better. So how do you then say, okay, 
I'm going to, how much time do you have with each artist? I'm going to change that question. So you've got those three artists. How do you go about saying, okay, I'm going to spend this much time here, this much time here, this much time here to separate the artists? Meaning how do they stand out and stand apart from each other? Yeah. But you're not spending six hours at Ray and then one hour with DJ. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is a juggling act. But each week I do have a weekly meeting with them each separately. And for those weeks, I usually give them an update of what I've been working on for them. Also asking them, what are they doing in their world? And then also what we do is I try to make weekly tasks. Like I try to make it into bite-sized things that I can do. You can't see this, but I have a board here. And I divide the board into three different parts of my life. I got my full-time job, I got my personal life, and then I've got my business, which is level 91, right? Um, And what I do is I put different tasks for each artist. And I try to tackle it not by time, but by task. And then I back it out. I say, okay, in order to get from... I mean, in order to accomplish this task, I got a, a, a lot of this amount of time. And some weeks I have to, I may have to put more energy into Ray. And some weeks I may have to put more energy into Cheryl. But another thing I'm doing and I'm learning the art of delegation. I do have my, being my business partner, Jeremiah, we have interns um, that we have with us that I have delegated some tasks to because I'm like, I'm one man. <laughs> I can't do it all. So I've delegated some things for those young men and women to be able to do so that it frees me up to do some things to do other stuff. Again, right? The concept of a manager is you're managing and then you're managing a store in order to get a better store. I need someone to do the cash register. I need someone to do the marketing. I need someone to clean the floors. So I'm running a store. I need employees to help me do it. Right. So this question is purely selfish for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What advice would you give to someone who is, hey, I'm looking to be more marketable or I'm looking to market my business or my program or my product better? What it, And I know, like you said, it's different for each individual, but what general advice do you have that you would give? And I'm going to pretend like I'm not taking notes and writing down everything you're saying. (laughs) That's funny. So I would, there's two categories of that. Are you talking about to... Sponsors? Are you talking about to the general public? What are you? Where are you going with that? That's a good question. Let's go with let's go with general public. Okay. So I think the question is the question you have to ask yourself is who are you talking to, and not like who you think you're talking to, right? Right. All right. <laughs> right. I got you. I got right. you. That was in New York. That was in New York in you. I feel you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, who are you talking to, and then? What are you saying to So you have to define within yourself. Okay, here's a better way to say it. Let's go to the Bible. The letters that Paul wrote, he wrote about 60 to 70% of the New Testament, right? And the thing I love about Paul is each letter, he would start each letter saying like this. Hi, my name is Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is who I am. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am a son of the most high God, blah, 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 blah. I am writing to the church in Ephesus, the church in Philippi, the church in Corinth, right? And then this is the summary of what I want to say to you. And this is why I'm writing to you. And then he would say what he had to say, right? So let's take that same model. 
in order for you to grow as a business or <clears throat> as a minister or whatever, who are you? Whose are you? You're from the Lord. And this is from the Lord. This is a business kind of, if it's not from the Lord, we can just skip all of this other stuff, <laughs> all this stuff right? Wow. But <clears throat> I am who I am. I'm rooted in Christ. There you right? go. Right? And then I know it's from Christ. And I'm who am I writing it to? I'm writing it to believers. I'm writing it to non-believers. And then why do I want to write to non-believers? And then what do I want to say to them? So once you get that, it becomes a lot more easier to figure out where I need to put my marketing to. Because if I know who I'm trying to market to, I'll put millions of dollars in marketing to those. Why should I market to people who I don't think I'm trying to talk to? So you got to define that. That's first. And then the second thing is you have to, uh, it's an interesting concept, right? In this day and age, right? We live in a day and age of, what's that song? I got everything, I got everything. <laughs> Came up, it's all me, right? That is the biggest lie in the world. <laughs> you didn't get it by all you. You need people. And you need people from one level. If you're trying to get from here to here, you need to have the work ethic and to study people who are on the other level and then go get mentors to help bring you up. You need people. So in order to grow, that's what you need. You need to network with the, those people, show them what you do, show them that you're on purpose, and then you just grow like that. And you're faithful where you're at. That's it. That whole self-made concept drives me nuts. Yeah, bro. it drives me nuts. It is. It's one of those things that somebody got bored one day. They put it out on the Internet and then a bunch of people shared it because it, it sounded cool. But like you, you're going to have to show me how I mean, if <laughs> you're going to have to show me exactly how you did everything completely on your own. You know what I mean? Because we are designed to be the we are intertwined. We are designed cool. to be interdependent. We are not designed to go through this alone. Yeah. Jesus had 12 disciples. He did not do life alone. He showed them how to do life and then encouraged them to make other disciples who make disciples. Off rip, <laughs> we have completely eliminated the concept of self-made. This is our final segment of the show. Okay. Brother, thank you so much for being on here today and just sharing everything that, that you shared. I really appreciate it. I know the audience appreciates it. This is our let them know segment. This is your opportunity to share anything you want with the audience, anything you want to tell them. My brother, please let them know. All right. So a couple of things. I want you guys to follow me on Instagram, B on the keys. That's B-E. That's my first and last name, B-E on the keys. Like on the keys, like playing keyboards. Like you see these little keyboards behind me, which you have to touch. <laughs> When I'm done here, rehearse for the day. So follow me on Instagram. I'd love to get to know each and every single person here. I want you to follow Ray Duggan, R-A-Y-D-U-G-A on Instagram. Amazing music, amazing testimony, preacher, all that good stuff. I want you to follow my man, DJ Soul, DJ Soul 73. That's DJ Soul 73 on Instagram, as well as Cheryl Jackson. Cheryl Jackson Radio starts with a C-H. E-R-Y-L Jackson Radio. You can find them all on Instagram. Follow them. I would love for each and every single person who is listening to this to go ahead and book them. Book them for, book Ray for your youth conventions. Book Ray to speak at your church. Book DJ Soul for your next 
event at your church, next event at your throwing for anything else like that, book them and book Cheryl Jackson to come and host. They are amazing people and will get you guys into the glory of the Lord while you guys are there. As well as, I want you all to know this, listen, one of my themes for my life is to create and to inspire. Create and inspire. And you can do anything if the Lord called you to it. And you can also do anything if you put the work in. I'm a very good believer in that. And you know what? The reality is, listen, don't look to a lot of other things. God, what did God say to Moses? Look what's in your hand. What's in your hand? You have almost everything you need in your hand. And right here. And this will help you. If you don't have it, this will help you figure out how to get it. You're not just, anyway, that's just what I would love to say. Inspire to create and inspire. That's it, man. Received, man. Thank you. Thank you. I need you to do one more thing for him before we sign off here today. Yep. If you would not mind praying us out, I would really appreciate it. Man, of course. Lord, I thank you for my man, Eric. Lord, I thank you for everything that you're doing with him and through him. Lord, we pray for everything that he's been praying for. Some of the things we talked about before, I pray that you would answer his prayer two, three times full, that you would give him sponsors, that you would give him the platform, the numbers, the people to interview, the stories to tell through this podcast. Lord, I pray for each and every single person who's listening to it, that they got something out of it today. And if anything that I said wasn't for me, that they would forget it. But most, first and foremost, I pray that they got to know a little bit more of you through my story and through some of the things that we said today. I thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. And Lord, I just lifted my brother to you now, Father. Lord, I just thank you in advance for the testimony that's going to come and continue to come from his life and the people that he's about to touch, Lord. I thank you for the expanded territory that you're about to bring his way, Lord. I thank you for just the people that you're about to surround him with. I thank you for all the divine appointments that is coming his way. I pray you just continue to just use him for your honor, your praise, and your glory. Lord, just lead him and guide him. I thank you for the closed doors in his life. I thank you for the open doors. I thank you for the doors that he is about to just walk through. I thank you for just how mind blown he's about to be for the things that are getting ready to come his way, Father. Lord, I just thank you for all of these things now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother. Brother, thank you so much for being on here today. I appreciate it. If you are enjoying the content that you've been hearing on the Rooted in Christ podcast, please follow, share, and subscribe no matter where you are listening. We have set a goal to have a thousand YouTube subscribers. We have set some goals for social media, not because of the numbers, because we want to put out the message of Jesus Christ. So that is the main things that we, some of the main things that we're working on as far as our media platforms. So no matter where you are listening, Facebook, Instagram, whether you're on Spotify, YouTube, please follow, share, and subscribe. It goes a long way to helping us get the message out. Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show today, brother. I appreciate it. It's been my honor. Thanks, brother. Thank you, brother.